Hello and welcome to the Asil Parana podcast. Uh, I'm Aditya. We are back to continuing our director series on Miskin. If you haven't listened yet, uh, check out our episodes on his Yuddham Sai with guest Asha Meera and Onayu Matkutim with guest Angel Glady. In this episode, we'll be talking about his 2014 film Pesasil starring Naga, Priyaga Martin, Radha Ravi, uh, Kalani Natarajan among others. it's sort of miskin's attempt at horror but we can argue that it's not horror at all or it's more than just that because uh, it has chosen a lot of uh, familiar genre tropes um to talk about the film we have two special guests returning to our podcast is uh, sudeep sinwasan film critic and entertainment editor at cinema express hi sudeep hi aditya it's a pleasure to be back um, there's nothing quite like discussing the films that well you you really find to be very interesting and uh, yeah. the other banana banana podcast has always um, been a platform where people have had very casual yet deep conversations about films and it's a pleasure to be back so i have amrita uh, visiting assistant professor in film and digital media studies uh, department of english language and literature at wofford college hi amrita hi i am glad to be here this is going to be fun uh, we've been trying to have amrita over for an episode for a long time it's finally happening amrita's uh, Uh, PhD advisor happens to be uh, Dr. Sonal Ishwaran. Uh, we did a podcast with Dr. Sonal Ishwaran um, on Andhanal. You can check out that episode. Uh, moving on to the film and Miskin. Usually we keep this for the end, uh, but I thought we'll reverse it and sort of start on a light note uh, for a, quite a heavy film. Uh, where do either of you rank uh, Pisasa? I know Sudhir loves Pisasa to bit, uh, but let's ask <laughs> Ask him. Let's go to him first. But where do you rank it in Miskin's filmography? Oh boy. Okay. Um, it is probably my most favorite of all his films. I think um, simply because I really like um, um, films that are that don't that really dig deep into human emotions and um, and I think this is probably the film in which you know we all. are quite familiar with his flourishes in filmmaking um with his flourishes in craft and and in this film i feel like he he got a really lovely story to boot as well um and it's very contained and it doesn't um, it it's it sticks to uh, very few characters who are at the center of it and um, and, and, and and this is probably my most favorite film of his Mrita I really like this movie but I don't think I would say it's my favorite of Mishkin's I think um I would still say Onayam Artukutiyam and even Nandalal may rank a little higher and I think that's mostly because I when I um walked like started watching the movie I was expecting horror and it doesn't present itself as a horror movie necessarily once you get to the end of it uh but then when I rewatched it having no expectations of horror then it becomes a much more poignant movie to watch uh and i think the rewatch is what makes it a little more a favorite than it was the first time around actually yeah, even i even i felt uh, something similar the I, i i watched it the last time i watched it was when it released uh, in the theaters but uh, when i rewatched it for the episode i thought oh, this film is actually uh, it actually got even better so then you think something right um and i think uh, uh, i remember the time at which i caught this film i think it was in 2014 if i'm not wrong um back then 
it's probably still ongoing horror comedies were quite in vogue um, in tamil cinema <laughs> <laughs> so we we kept getting a lot of these uh, uh, superficial horror films which were all which all looked very similar and and felt very similar so this film um, and i was very eager to see what uh, uh, mishkin was going to do in this horror genre um, i was rather disappointed when i first heard he was working on a horror film because as i said it was in vogue and i was quite tired of uh, films in the genre um, but the only hope was that i mean it is mishkin and he probably will do something interesting with it um, and i uh, at the time it it seemed like such a big relief um, such a big um, a uh, departure from all the other um, horror films then and um, and i remember uh, i mean i i hear that i hear both of you guys talk about how on repeat viewing it became better but it was it really worked for me the first time around as well and when i caught it again it reminded me of why why i liked it so much yeah and i i think most of the miskin tropes that you uh, see in the film though i i I agree with uh, Amrita that for me also uh, the favorite Miskin film is probably uh, Unai Matukutim. Uh, but the Miskin tropes uh, are still uh, in, uh, here in this film too. And um, uh, can, can we talk about what what are your, your most recognizable favorite Miskin tropes and uh, how do you see them um, implemented in this film, Amrita? I I don't know about tropes as much as for me what strike um stands out is the filmmaking element just basic and miskin above all it's almost like he's a his movies are deconstructed filmmaking like you can see very clearly the component parts of a movie that come together you've got yeah. theater you've got photography like you've got mise-en-scene you've got cinematography and you can see that they're all very disparate and distinct and disjunctive parts and somehow they come together and work and i think this is one of the reasons those who uh may not necessarily enjoy his movies i think they, it's because this sort of filmmaking style gives it the avant-garde feel and so it, they're a little put off by how um just unsettling this deconstructed style of filmmaking can be but that is that is his signature that is what is always there and like countless reviews have pointed out he sort of goes back to um some of his more favorite locations like the subways and the deserted apartment uh, complexes at night um he's got his almost stilted dialogue styles that come into place so this just for me it's more of the style of filmmaking is something that his his autourness if you will comes into play more so than the tropes i think sudhir will have a much better answer on the more tropes and genres and human emotions part of this though right um, and i hear what amrita is saying about how it can put off certain people um, and we'll probably dig into that deeper uh, when we speak about this film on some of the um, well unusual choices in terms of how characters react to situations um, i mean if if there are people out there watching this film expecting these people to be um, to to behave in real ways um, quote unquote then uh, they may find uh, you know some of the some of their behavior rather strange um, and and that i think has put off a lot of people from uh, many mishkin fil- films and i don't think it's a it's the right way to consume his films anyway um in terms of uh, uh, emotions i think i think he, he really explores the idea of forgiveness in this film doesn't he um and this is a this is an aspect i mean this is a this is an emotion he keeps this is a theme that 
that he discusses a lot in his films and he, I, i think i think it's it's among his favorite uh, topics to discuss as well um, probably explains why the protagonist is called siddharth and that, i mean you you keep getting these buddhist vibes in his films as well and we saw that in psycho um, if i remember right um, so and then then there's a um, there's a hero who's i mean there's a protagonist who's not quite a hero um you know who's who's subject to the vagaries of existence and there's an exploration of loneliness in this film as well with many characters grappling um uh, you know with with the sheer loneliness of existence and and, and there's some um, and because i saw psycho also very recently um, i also noticed that there's a fair bit of commentary about uh, god in this film you know what what makes uh, a person god or you know what um, is there a god and i i, I think these are all fascinating uh, subjects that he deals with in this film as well yeah uh that actually the, the garden religion part of it i i did have uh, have it not not will get into that but uh, amrita's use of the phrase uh, de- deconstructive filmmaking is very uh, i think it's very apt uh, because uh, i mean there there, there there are lots lots of schools of thought uh, when it comes to uh, critiquing that says uh, you know Uh, a film works great when the form is invisible and sometimes the form is all you see and sometimes that that that's all some people want and things like that but uh, when it comes to uh, that phrase that de- deconstructed film making when you know what miskin is doing uh, I, I, actually there there's actually uh, two particular scenes that i had uh, noted down I, i mean there are two scenes in the tea shop uh, which which is the pretty much the same dialogue and uh, uh but but are shot in completely different ways டீ குடிச்சா கிளம்புங்கப்பா அப்படி என்னதா இருக்க பேப்பர்ல அடுத்த வீட்டு ஜன்னல் திறந்து பார்க்க உங்களுக்கு அவ்வளவு ஒரு ஆனந்தமா இந்தாங்க விடுங்க and uh, the the first time it comes is just a medium wide shot as as, as it uh, shows the short tea guy come out and pass comment on the guy reading uh, newspapers asking him yeah. to leave after finishing tea Uh, it is a point where sid siddhartha and his friends uh, know nothing and are shit scared uh, then in the end uh, after uh, radha ravi has visited uh, siddhartha's house and they know what's happening tea kudicha kalamunga ya benji danger podu sir hmm thank you ungalku எனக்கு பசிக்கல சார் we go to the same location but now the tea kadai's door is where the shots begins at and it follows the short guy uh, uh, at his side and then uh, he's saying the same dialogue to pretty much the same people and then it moves to the height uh, uh, to siddharth's friends uh, and the focus is on uh, siddharth and uh, radha ravi uh, at the end uh, 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 with with the wall separating them uh, and, and 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 you said forgiveness and that that the, the camera moves and it it like takes off that that separation between them there's a there's a pillar or something there when he says abhi enna pannitirukinga avaru violence sir the light music la vaasikkrangala illa sir music director ku la raja sir ku la vaasikkran sir oh sir hmm enna mannachirunga sir ரொம்ப 
it's much deeper here and he has also uh, i think uh, tried um, the opposite of those things in other films we'll get to that but yeah uh, amrita can you talk about the theme of forgiveness or if there anything more technical that you want to add to what sudeep said i am i do i mean forgiveness is obviously one of the big thing one of the big emotions um i don't even know if i would consider it an emotion in this movie but it, it's one of those things that is comes out but you know there's all that inherent that this is a, a love story at the i mean I, i was i was before getting here i was doing just a bit of research and i was reading all the reviews that people have written about this movie in the media and i'm like let's see what the audience has to say and i saw that a lot of people decided to call this a love story and i'm like hmm. I, i guess i see it i guess i see the love story part of it too um but i don't know there's something even more human about uh it's not just love story it's not just forgiveness but there is that sense yeah. of realization like when he realizes that he was the i i don't know if we're doing spoilers not spoilers but when he realizes he one who um oh, we're, we're doing spoilers go ahead <laughs> when he realizes he's the one who killed the girl at the end um that moment of realization i think that is that is the emotional climax of the movie right like that for me at least that was the emotional climax and don't know what to call that particular thing but that catharsis of guilt and realization um to me that was more powerful than the forgiveness that comes at the end um that scene when he, she is trying to keep him from that realization and when he finally realizes it i don't know if that if that's forgiveness but that for me was the central emotion that i got at that was for me the most powerful emotionally powerful scene in the movie right i mean i i hear you the realization is uh, is crushing i think um, for him and and i think forgiveness is very attached to to that scene as well because i think he has to um well come to forgive himself uh, for for what's happened and i think the girl uh, f- forgave him very quickly um, i mean the girl i think is the only character who knows who the murderer is for the lo- large i mean for the longest part of this film um, and she doesn't have a problem uh, forgiving him from um, having killed her and i think that's very interesting uh, in a very dramatic way in this film uh, because i think she contrarily um, falls in love with him um, the moment she probably sees his kindness is it the way he looks um, i don't know what what it is i don't believe the film quite spells out her reasons for falling in love with him but i suppose it's a mix of both uh, and i think ultimately it's uh, and, and the person who struggles the most uh with the uh, with being unable to forgive the killer um is i think rather ravi who plays uh, the girl's father um i mean uh, he's actually operating in the other extreme he's out to murder the person who killed uh, his daughter and very fascinatingly the moment he realizes that this boy killed his daughter um it's, it's very touching that he has already he realizes immediately that he's already forgiven him there's nothing there for him um i mean he 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 has to now convince this boy to forgive himself and i think all of this comes into play in very um in a very affecting way in that um, in that moment this climax you were talking about i agree and i think um like you said like yeah the most for the most of the movie rather ravi's character is out to kill um the person who who killed his daughter whereas uh siddharth is more about just finding out and and letting this making this ghost go away from his life and then at the end it sort of i i don't know if i agree that he forgives siddharth forgives himself um i think like you said the girl is the first person to forgive him 
And then it sort of, I think, and then I think it's the father who forgives him. And then it's finally the yeah. protagonist who starts forgiving himself, right? And I, it's, it's that weird progress. And I think the only unsatisfying part of this movie for me, like you were mentioning, was that I couldn't really come to terms with her falling in love with him or just <laughs> not even falling in love, but just, you know, finding a sense of affection for him. I mean, this is one of the most humanized ghosts that we have seen in Tamil cinema, as far as I know. Like, this is the most emotive and uh, evocative yeah. ghosts we've seen. And so I just find it, I, I just wanted more that particular thing and maybe in a longer version of the movie maybe if there was a director's cut that wasn't this tightly edited for release maybe there would have been a little more but yeah that was that was a little unsatisfying for me yeah i hear you i think i think i saw mishkin speaking in an interview about this um and he was responding to uh, people wondering why this girl was smiling in a moment of great uh, trauma uh, when she is just on the cusp of death. Uh, how does she get herself to smile in a, in a rather angelic way? Um, and I think he, he seemed quite displeased with that question um, in a very Mishkinesque way. And he responded that, uh, well, that that's the essence of the film, isn't it? I mean, that's what you need to buy. Um, he didn't believe he needed to sell it as much as he expected people who are watching it to just buy that well she's now in love can we move on in his movies uh disbelief works in a different way i suppose then <laughs> yeah. yeah the the whole universe is set up in in very different ways right um, that that reminds me uh, i think this is one of those films that has a more uh interior shots in his films because most of his films happen in the outside in the night time of a very very unforgettable night of madras that uh, no one else uh, films in the same way. Yeah. Um, do you agree? No, I don't remember I much like of Psycho. Tupar, yeah. No, I think Tuparivaran was mostly set in that apartment true, complex true, yeah, and true. nothing much else. And that is what I mostly remember. Like in that apartment complex, the images of that apartment complex can very easily be superimposed on the nighttime images of this apartment complex. Like there is, it's just one of those spaces he likes exploring. It mm. seems like. Yeah, and I and I see what you mean, Aditya, because I, I mean he's obviously in love with the outdoors, um, and I'll have to draw from a conversation I had with him uh, when he mentioned that he's supremely in love with the roads, uh, you know, which which we see in a lot of his films um, about how he spent time, um, well, just by himself sitting on the roads and you know feeling the texture of roads and you know how much he's in love with the idea of the road. Um, so so yeah, I mean we we don't see a. A whole lot of that, I suppose, even though I, I guess it is, the road is again a very important aspect of this film as well. That's where the film begins and, you know, that's where the central conflict itself emerges. So that's interesting. But yes, um, lots of interior shots, that house. And um, and I was watching, re-watching it with my wife and one of the comments she made was, wow, I've never seen a house like this. Who, I mean, is there such a living space ever? <laughs> I mean, does anyone live in such a space? <laughs> she found it very strange. Yeah, I think that is part of, um, like, that is one of those things that always strikes me about his uh, filmmaking style. His, his, his mise-en-scene is very deliberate. So he, everything that is, like, you know, he's very photographic in that sense. When he, when he sets up a shot, it's a photographic composition. And so any bit of household decor that is around is around for a reason. And it is only Absolutely. to the extent that it needs to be around. And then 
there's nothing else. I mean, that, um, you know, I was like, why is there a grandfather clock in this apartment? And then you realize only because it's going to come back midway through the movie, because that's where Mahesh Appa has hidden the beer bottle. Right. So like, there's just <laughs> everything is around for a very particular reason to give very particular ideas about the characters, like the pencil sketches of Beethoven and Mozart uh, in Sartre's room. Like it's it's supposed to be an externalizing of his character. But uh, at the moment where the mise-en-scene stops giving any information about the character, the story, it stops. There's no more like that's it. Like everything that is in the shot is meant for a very particular reason. And I. I, yeah, I, I think I agree with your wife and that there is, you know, there is something strange and unsettling about that because it is not very natural, but then very little of his filmmaking style mimics natural human way, like especially the way the camera moves, um, very little of how his camera moves mimics the natural human visual perspective. Like he's always yeah, doing and, and angles. Camera, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, and it, yeah, it, 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 the, the whole, when we first have a look at, uh, Siddharth's uh, apartment, the camera is somewhere on the, the ceiling in the corner. And we see the, sort of a fisheye view of the whole thing. It, it, it's really, I mean, it, it, it's more, it, it, it weirds you out, right? It, it pulls you in right into the kind of film that it wants to be. And I thought there was very uh, something very unusual about that corridor as well that seems to come out of nowhere in that house. Um, I mean, there's this long corridor that's that's. I mean, there's a lovely shot where uh, um, I think he's uh, he slips into the corridor deeper in fear from this ghost, and and it almost seems like he hides into he goes into darkness himself. Um, and I think the screen almost fades to black as he uh, goes into the darkness of the corridor. And I found that space also to be very interesting. Yeah, and um, in like for me, I think the I think so the one time the camera angle really got to me was like like in the first bits, like almost you know if you can call it the prologue, but when she dies and her father comes to grieve, and you don't see the father's face. Like usually, what happens is when someone is trying to. Um, most filmmakers, when they're trying to show a character showing deep emotion, you give them close-ups and you give them music and you do all these long protracted shots of, of a grieving person. But here you just see the person's abdomen and hands. You don't even see the person's face. You see nobody's face. And it takes you away from what usually you're asked to look at. You're asked to look at something completely different. Uh, and this happens over and over and over again. And I just I find that very interesting. And at the same time, I, I think this is the reason some people may not want to watch his movies because it is so unlike what they're used to seeing as cinema. Yeah, and I, I think that's a very valid point you raise here. And I don't think it's uh, isolated only to Pisasa. Um, and I think uh, in a lot of other films like Yudham Say, for example, um, I remember plenty of shots in which people are grieving and he never really bothers in terms of trying to capture how their faces look or, you, you know, tries to um, show us exactly the, um, the contours of the face and get into a tight close-up of how this person is reacting. Um, and, and for me, that works. Yeah. And that works for me, mainly because I often, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a personal quirk, but I get put off when I see people grieving. It doesn't make me feel that grief as much. I suddenly begin, like, um, and as an, as an aside, I could probably say this earlier, but when she's crying, for example, her nostrils flare up a lot more than the usual persons. And that bothers me in a very 
weirdly strange way. Um, suddenly, I find myself getting out of that. See, you know, these are details that 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 ruin my immersion. So I'm very happy whenever a filmmaker doesn't really get into close-ups and gives us distance and lets us process that grief um, and lets us imagine the worst of the grief than what we see. Yeah, and and it's also uh, the way he uh, sometimes. Um... like like he he his his frames are so carefully constructed even even with respect to people like like we talked i mean everyone has talked at length about the subway scenes and the public areas that he films uh, there there's also the scene here in the uh, in, in the in the police station where they are uh, where where siddharth and his friends are inquiring about the car and the police is basically portrayed as this you know this is violent sociopath who's just um was like yelling about uh, radha ravi's character and how he just not leaving them be and 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 the camera keeps going the full length 180 degree between siddharth and his friends and the policemen and 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 in the end there is a old woman who just comes and stands there and keeps staring at uh, siddharth um, and 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 then the camera just stays at her face for 10 seconds and and you, what 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 do you actually make out of it like What do you think he's trying to say? Yeah, and that's not the only scene where, um, I like there is, I there are other places I mean, yeah. when you just see people, and I think part of that is, uh, a, I think that's part of building the horror of it, right? Like, that's what horror movies do. They try to give you red herrings and make you focus on people that you, in, they're supposed to inspire suspicion in the audience, but end up not really meaning anything. And on the other hand, it's a very Italian neorealist thing to do. Yeah. Uh, it's where you know most filmmakers once the lead character leaves the frame, they stop sh- rolling. But you know, uh, in the tradition of neorealism, Ishkin keeps rolling and focuses on the characters that have now occupied the space that has now been you know emptied. And so it's sort of just giving time and space to these people that we generally wouldn't look at. And I think for me, that's what attracts me. to miskin movie yeah. like you're you're seeing these people that and you're asked to be with these people that normally you wouldn't be giving the time of day to yeah 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 and, and, and another and woman and, and the transfers to empathy basically right yeah the films are laden with empathy basically and that that and that's what this kind of shots and this kind of focus gives you right and and even when he doesn't necessarily um turn his camera at them i do think that he also conveys a lot of empathy for these peripheral characters um like another example in this uh, film would be i mean we we hear the angle about that guy who steals a baby from um because his wife uh, couldn't conceive for the longest time i mean this this that angle and and even in that angle we realize that that guy has uh, has a sister was she uh, uh, you know who 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 carries water upstairs or something like that yeah. this is a small scene and somehow who i was, felt who was, who was dressed in red and the green kodam was yeah. the other way around yeah. oh yeah yeah i mean i think we need to discuss the green red <laughs> <laughs> imagery everywhere in this film uh, to the level that it began to be slightly off putting as well <laughs> but anyway um, but but this woman um, we are told we are i mean it's hinted that she was probably an accomplice in the whole baby stealing um activity and, uh, uh, and and yet i found myself caring a little bit about this woman as well because she seems to want to have nothing to do with this whole investigation and she is part of i think i think she was central to observing the the crime itself and and it's very strange we hear nothing else about her and yet she plays an important part yeah she comes back at the end in the replay of the original scene um yeah. and nadala when 
yeah, they, they they'll show through, yeah. yeah they'll show them passing through with her in the back seat sort of quieting the baby and going shoo 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 and all but um just to go back to spaces for a second just because we were talking yeah. about the different spaces and in interiors i also note and this might i don't know maybe this is a horror movie thing but like and this is also a bit of a mexican thing but he uses very few spaces in his in his movies and in doing so he makes audiences associate spaces with certain characters or certain emotions and so like for example whenever you see the chimney um or the vent in the kitchen you're immediately thinking of the ghost and whenever you see this particular uh view of the staircase you're thinking of the abusive husband downstairs so he starts sort of making mm. you associate spaces with um emotions and characters and i think that's a very smart thing to do and at the same time it's very trusting your audience to remember and make associations and keep going and like like so they were saying like let me make my own associations and interpretations don't give me the close up i think that was just part of what i was thinking about right and i and, and he does it very uh, uh, deliberately very carefully very methodically um, because even the chimney much much before we know that the chimney is to be associated with bhavani's character the ghost um i notice that he's already started focusing on the chimney for for some strange reason well before the revelation happens yeah like, like, like it's one of it it actually one of, becomes one of those places where he uh, i mean where he plays the camera basically but like like where we see it's that going and coming or even sleeping on the couch yeah yeah um and i i think one of uh, another angle i wanted to discuss about this film is how it seems to have a bit of uh, contempt for your regular tamil horror film um and among the i think among the segments that it becomes very obvious is when um, he brings in this the usual priest woman priest types um you know the usual yeah. uh, exorcist character exactly. who usually steps yeah. in to save the day in many a serious tamil horror film um and i like that he treated this character with a lot of condescension and i think it's not just tamil horror movies right like yeah, it's like, yeah, over and yeah, over yeah, again it's he's making fun of the exorcist and in some ways it is almost free publicity for the exorcist because yeah. those who see this movie and enjoy this movie are suddenly like yeah, well, he, i don't get that reference so i'm going to go watch that movie now he he repeats the exorcist shot with the abusive husband right with the hari shutman's character that the whole coming down the stairs thing yara ninga ஒரு <laughs> 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 that's not yeah, something that to... happens all the time <laughs> just saying like that's if you find a character called plato that is 100% going to be a miskin movie that is just how i expect things <laughs> to go right um but you've got exorcist you've got plato oh he had some five other literary references that just jumped in here and there and i'm just like yeah this is if you i mean i'm sure for those i mean if any either of you have been to his house or his library and have seen that ridiculously extensive collection of books he has it makes yeah. a lot of sense like that's just who he's going to be and i like that is what my you know my research and my scholarship is about 
how he, him and, you know, Vetri and all these newer filmmakers are sort of bringing in these number of different influ influences that so far the average Tamil viewer, we would not expect them to be aware of. But now he sort of just assumes his audience is generally going to be familiar with The Exorcist. And I thought that was a very bold move, but also very cool. That was, yeah, I liked yeah. it. And it, it sort of uh, points to a, uh, his own evolution in the way that in Yudhamsai, I remember we talked about, and I think everyone talked about how the Rashomon reference is just thrown very uh, clumsily. But here it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure I bought that the police officer made an exorcist reference, but it didn't matter to me. Do we want to talk about the color schemes and the color differences now? I feel like yes, everyone yes, wants to ahead. talk yes, about yes. that. I'm going was to there, was there more than green and was there more than green and red? Uh, every now and then, there, oh, there's blue, right? Like there's blue, there's say, blue. yeah, <laughs> that the yeah, yeah, blue I, is a big I, part of the. Yeah, yeah, of I, the I, end. I meant it as a joke, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think even I think blue should be included in the joke. Is all I'm saying. Like there's just <laughs> on the last scene when I think about it, all I think of is is when I think of the ice factory, all I'm thinking yeah. is blue. I can't think of anything else. Um, but in the end, just after he's done the whole red green analysis and he's realized and he comes to the ice factory to sort of, you know, ask for forgiveness or ask for redemption or whatever it is, there's this like top angle shot where he'll come in this red car. It's a black sky, red car. And for some reason, never seen grass this green in Chennai in my life. <laughs> but he's there in a red car in this green grass field. And I'm like, this is such a deliberate framing, such a deliberate yeah. blocking of characters. Like this is what yeah. you were building up your entire movie to. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think it really yeah. pl plays into the exploration of, uh, well, I mean, traditionally green has been associated with good and red has been associated with evil. And this is quite obvious, um, uh, you know, very obvious use of colors in cinema generally. Um, but I, I, I do think that, he sort of um, subverts the idea of what is good and what is evil. And, because in the horror uh, template, um, ghosts have come to mean evil and victims have come to mean good in a sense. And, and I really like that he also plays around with the idea of, hey, is this a ghost or is this God in a sense? Um, because it seems to me that he's almost suggesting that this is what God should be if there did exist one. Um, um, apart from subverting the idea of what, the ghost traditionally has meant in our cinema. Um, we can we can actually see at least a couple of characters make the reference to this character as God. I think I think the hero's mother once calls this character God, and um, and I think the father, of course, from right from, right off the bat from the beginning of the film, he keeps calling her Yankadole and Sami, and I, I found that to be very interesting as well. And of course, it gets explicit in the credits, right? The first credit is Pisasa Deva Maga, and then it will say, yeah, you know, prior exactly. So like, right. he, like, if it wasn't made clear to you through the movie, he's going to make it absolutely explicit to anyone who can read Tamil, obviously, that this is, uh, we are going to conflate these two. I found it interesting, though, that like when you come back to the beginning scene at the end, like uh, Siddharth is dressed in all black. And I'm like, is, am I, because, you know, when, when you're watching Mexican movies, you're like, every, every choice is deliberate. And like, <laughs> is there something that I should be reading into the color coding of this character now, like that we were supposed to have seen in the beginning and things like that. The ghost is not traditionally white, right? And this like, is, is yeah, it's like, not, it's not, yeah. I found that interesting, yeah. that's all. It's not, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, quite often we see ghosts 
uh, attired in pure white right almost pristine white um, but uh, here i mean it's almost in tatters it's almost dirty and there's a uh, i mean there, there's a torn quality he brings to the clothes that she wears as well i, I mean very very interesting uh, when, when you mentioned um, this uh, the, the, these credits that he have that pisas uh, deva maga and even in um, uh i think in onai matukutim uh, you have uh, the devdai character and all, all those things and and, and there is apart from the main uh, the, the, like the very main roles in this film too uh, you have these generic names of mahesh ma mahesh appa uh, siddhatama you know it's it's it, it's that that's just very interesting i have found it interesting how he's very uh, kind of generalizing others and just focusing on the characters in a very you know uh it doesn't mean he's going black and white but at the same time he's giving uh, shades but he doesn't want you to um, treat, uh you know uh, have there, there shouldn't be any prejudice associated with them uh, you, you, you know this is all the information that you need is is yeah. what he seems to be seems to suggest and and his and, names and, are like that like after kamalhasan i think he's the guy who names his characters you know right from like like he like amrita said plateau and you have you have judas iscariot you have uh, jay krishnamurthy you have kanyan pongundran you have arpudam you can go on yeah and i almost died when uh, mahesh's amma refers to her husband as mahesh's appa <laughs> but in a way for me that's a very familiar thing like that is how i grew up i mean correct yeah you know, my grandmother I, I, I know, like my grandmother yeah. was called by the names of her children and you know like she ref- people referred to their husbands as the father of their children not as their husbands and like it just it, it i don't know it, it seemed very normal and very even almost nostalgic for me i don't <laughs> know if that's still a thing that happens but no no yeah, i can I, i can guarantee it is no, still no, very I, much I know, a thing i know, I know uh, a lot yeah, of uh, yeah. lot of mothers <laughs> who i mean a lot of wives who refer to their husbands as daddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just but i i think the other thing i mean the other reason he does it i i think is you know he's he's trying to you know generalize the characters and not i don't know he's keeping the attention focused on a few i mean the only name yeah. i remember from the tuparival movie is swarnavel and that is all like that is that one person is missing and that is the only name i feel like you hear throughout the movie and i think he's just drawing attention to certain things like i and in the credits nobody gets a name right like it's it's mm. like all the none of the characters are named i think maybe plato gets uh, a named credit but that i think that's pretty much it and and, and i think in in um, uh, discussing pisasu we must discuss the humor in pisasu which i don't believe we've touched upon so far i think i think it's an important part of why i enjoy this enjoyed this film um so much and uh, um and i got reminded of that when i was uh, sharing this joke about her, that that boy's mother referring to her husband as the boy's father um and i had lots of slapstick comedy as well because uh, i i mean i remember my experience of watching the film for the first time and um and the audience really really seemed in splits um when these three uh, boys realize that there's a ghost in in the house and they're doing all the slapstick comedy when the opener disappears when these guys move around and you know Um, there's, yeah. there's there's a really funny scene of when these two guys are standing there and rather avis then there's a guy isolated in the corner and the moment he recognizes there's something weird is happening he goes and joins these two guys um and and it's <laughs> it, it's done in a very classic mishkin way where the where the boy walks in a very wooden way with the hands hardly moving and it's almost caricaturization like a puppet um and we see a lot of that in this film as well and i i found this to be a very funny film and it's very strange that this comes in in such an emotional film as well and also the whole uh, kicking him off the bed a uh, couple of times and all this thing yeah 
And I think that is one of those things, I don't know how to put this, but I think that's one of those things that's afforded to him as someone who makes films for a Tamil audience. Like, I feel like if you had, let's say, the kicking him off the bed scene, like there is the, he falls off the bed and he's like, in a, why are you? In? And then he says, oh, it wasn't me. And then, and then we find that funny. There's, there's that slapstick about it. There's the way the dialogue is written and delivered that makes it inherently funny. That I think is more of a, uh, it's a very, I don't know, South Indian way of film humor. I don't know if, it, if a scene could have been both funny and anticipating horror in a similar way in like some of the more classical Hollywood um, horror movies yeah. I've seen. And, 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 yeah. I, and I, I don't know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that's also the first scene where we actually see the ghost in its form. Like, like there is a flash of uh, the ghost between them on the bed and until then i don't think uh, we have we have seen only that bottle opener uh, uh, going missing we haven't seen a form till the whole thing till that that when they when they when he calls his friend and they are sleeping i think that's the, yeah, that's, that's the first time you have a jump scare basically i think that's when i realized bhavani was quite possessive about siddharth as well because she didn't seem to want another guy yeah. on the bed as well that's an angle i have not explored <laughs> i will say that i am alone in my house right now and i keep checking that side because i'm Talking about this movie is now <laughs> officially scaring me a little. And it's, yeah, just saying. It's, but <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny. I'm just saying I liked how the humor came in the moments just before the horror. And it was fun. But for yeah. me, the funniest scene was the, the policeman finding him, uh, finding them on the street. And just then he makes that exorcist reference. And I just, I, I found that hilarious. I just... I don't know why, but I just found it very, very funny that a general roadside conversation with policemen turns into a conversation about the movie Exorcist. It, it just, it made so little sense that it was funny. <laughs> and I, I, I yeah, think and, can... and it makes so little sense, uh, but but it also makes uh, sense in the way that uh, the way we know Exorcist to be, right? Like Exorcist was sort of. Like, like like Titanic before Titanic. Like everyone had watched the film. Like nobody, people who didn't watch the English film had watched uh, Exorcist. Everyone knew Exorcist. So it, it, it didn't seem that out of place a film the way, you know, someone bring up Rosh But Yeah, as I said, uh, I think, as I said yeah. it, didn't, it didn't seem to make sense that the policeman would make this reference. I didn't buy him as a character who probably grew up watching Exorcist and making those references. But, but it didn't matter to me. I mean, it's a Mishkin film and you offered him these liberties as Amrita was saying um, and, and I mean while we are discussing funniest scenes um, and I think Mishkin has always shown a, a taste for great dry humor uh, where he doesn't uh, non-dialogue humor especially I mean my favorite gag of this film was probably when this guy realizes that this woman keeps uh, stealing his opener and he goes out and he gets an opener he places it on the table and he takes another opener and hangs it <laughs> on the wall. And I, I found it, I mean, I, I laughed out loud. Yeah, the multiple openers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I remember that the audience really loved it as well when I watched it in the theater. And, and I found it very strange because it's not the type of humor you usually see people laughing out loud to in theaters, especially when it comes to Tamil horror comedy genres. And I, I think it was also the Matamadi Plato scene that was also like for me. That I laughed at loud at that when. Konchanara vana tapdiya uttu parenge. Yena Plato. 
எல்லாரும் சாப்பிட்டீங்களா சாப்பிட்டோம் பட் நான் இன்னும் சாப்பிடலையே ஒரு ஃபைவ் ஹண்ட்ரட் ருபீஸ் கொடுங்க ப்ரோ மண்டை காஞ்சி படுத்திருக்கோம் பேசாம ஒரு தலை ஒரு உனக்கு உணவு வீட்டுலேருந்து தள்ளி விட்ருவோம் ஓடுறு he tries to start philosophizing <laughs> and then uh, they like immediately chastise him and send him with i don't know there was just so much there was just really good comic chemistry going on in that scene that i was like this is this is what i enjoy about these movies yeah. i wonder if mishkin was parodying his own tendency to philosophize often in films uh, with this character i wonder <laughs> i mean every miskin movie has to have a miskin stand in um somewhere yeah. or the other someone who's going to bring <laughs> his perspective and i thought this was a fun way to do it do you think uh, do you guys think this problem i mean this film speaks about the problem of evil as well um, which is a pretty popular argument against the existence of god um, because i uh, think at I, least I, it's go on go on go on no actually if you're going there i was going to go to the god aspect of it it's it, like uh, how um uh i mean there is a religion and religious symbolism in all of miskin films that is there's no doubt about that but i thought this film in particular almost um uh wants to sort of do away with it in some sense uh, like uh, it doesn't take uh, religion that seriously because uh, because we, of course we see the exorcism scene as is played out in a half serious half comical way uh especially the way she's dressed and what she does uh and that she's she's a quack and 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 all those things uh but um and then later we see all the you know we have uh, uh the whole uh the, the brahmin shastras coming and doing some uh jabams and stuff and then you have the <laughs> muslims and everyone and and, and, and nothing nothing none of those i mean it's basically to suggest that none of those work and um so, so it's almost feel like it's one film where religion is not taken that seriously in a miskin film uh, because because otherwise it's everywhere it's in every film of it um i'm not sure i quite agree with uh, with that aditya um i mean if if we are speaking about religion in conventional terms and how it's practiced and ceremonies and processions and and uh, chants no, I, I, i hear I'm, you yeah and i, I, yeah, I, I yeah. understand that i'm i'm not saying uh, i'm 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 only saying that it doesn't seem to take same importance that it takes in other films uh, yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the the kind of symbols that he uses in other films is have way more uh, uh, you know uh, so sort of a plot changing or a, 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 a cascading effect in in his other films but here they're almost like they 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 amount to nothing sort of thing uh, i don't Fair know enough. Why. absolutely yeah. absolutely and i do think of that um, um, as his um, attempt to mock how it's usually treated in these horror films but but anyway um, if we do think of religion as as the individual's relationship with say a supernatural form um then i think there's plenty of exploration of that in this film um i mean he keeps digging up this idea of hey where is god when you need this entity the most um you know how does such an entity allow for um for for an innocent girl to be killed and for an innocent well innocent in quotes and quotes um innocent boy to uh, to be pushed into such um suffering you know another otherwise well meaning kind boy um, and this is something that rather his character actually spells out in a dialogue right at the end uga pullaya uga uyire nada saavadichu enna kollunga sir enna kadara kadara kollunga sir onada epdra kollradhu onada epdi kollradhu onala kollapotta ye monne onna ivlo nesikku podu naayapdra kollradhu 
symbolism in this yeah. movie as it you like oh no i'm out to go to him like you can pick any random shot in yeah. the movie and there's just like <laughs> the symbols of three different religions and one that i don't even know on the screen but here yeah. you don't have those different symbols and symbolisms coming into play there's not that much of a religious religious rhetoric that comes into play but i can see what sudhir is saying that it's it's a it's a fairly spiritual movie and it it looks at people's spiritual existence although i should ask if we're talking about an individual's connection to a supernatural force um and then we go back to the comment about you saying the ghost was possessive about so that didn't want anyone sharing a bed with him then that takes me to a very weird place of an individual's connection with a spiritual force <laughs> that was all i'm saying but otherwise yeah it, there is a lot to say about how does one connect to um i don't know if it's a spiritual force but how does one connect to um another human being i think it's for me it's more it it's yeah it's it's how do you connect to different human beings how do they connect to each other on certain levels and um there is that element of fatalism that comes in just like in that dialogue of um the father's character saying you know why don't you let them get together so there is that sense of fatalism you can think about free will and um determinism and all of those things those questions mm. can come into play so i would I would say it's more spiritual undertones than it is religious undertones that come here. Although he's probably making fun of the religious experiences with all the different um yeah. exorcists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I I I I mean I I found it very interesting when you spoke about um uh, individuals connecting with other individuals because I think loneliness is also a theme that this film um is about. Um and I don't think we've quite uh, discussed that angle of this film. Um Radharavi is extremely lonely having lost his daughter and Siddharth is really lonely as well for some reason um i right don't believe he is right yeah 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 he doesn't seem to have a tether to the world even though he seems to have a really healthy relationship with his mother and yet uh, he he seems like a misfit in a sense um and there are all these other i mean the, the likes of platos who seem <laughs> who seem to be grappling with their own version of loneliness and there's the woman the ghost who can't uh, who's trying to desperately establish a connection with with the man as well so i i i mean this 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 i don't know existentialist loneliness i suppose um, almost that every person was grappling with and looking for a connection and um, and i i found that to be a very interesting aspect of this film as well which sort of gets foreshadowed in the beginning with the you know they're both holding hands um in the when in, the, in when she dies and that nurse yeah. has to like grip her's hand away from hers and that and that connection is broken and it's sort of like the rest of the movie is trying to reestablish that connection once again yeah yeah um and i think uh, when you, when you said uh, the the bit about the holding hand scene i i i really got goose flesh right now just thinking about the scene that's how much um, i i connected with that idea with this film um um 
and that probably is why this is among my most favorite films of mishkin mainly because you get all the symbolism in all his other films as well you get all the flourishes you get all the metaphors and the meaning and the um, and the religious symbolism and, and in some films um, it seems a bit indulgent um, to the point that hey is the story working for me or am i really having to focus on these details so much to um, unravel all that that you're trying to say um, but for me this film is when he really struck a balance between telling a telling a relatable not not a relatable but telling an emotional story an affecting emotional story whilst also um, imbuing it with with all this meaning um, that you would otherwise not find in your average film yeah and and uh, that reminds me about about, about the connection uh, it's also um... in some obvious ways and in also in a very matter of fact way uh, maybe obvious is wrong word but in a very matter of fact way and he just make any uh, uh, bones about this fact that he he shows that the mahesh is the only one who can probably see uh, uh, bhavani's form and is not threatened and, uh, and bhavani doesn't threaten uh, mahesh yeah. it, 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 it's sort of there and uh, Uh, and and he just leaves it at it like like he doesn't he doesn't even make you wonder uh, why that is so because it's so obvious in in a in a way yeah i i mean i i love uh, films and art that uh, that supports those who otherwise find life quite difficult right um, um who those who are discriminated against and art that stands up for the weak um for the oppressed and this film in not really obvious ways and not really hey look at what i'm doing i'm a champion of of uh, of these people shows so much empathy to these characters be it the um uh, you know the special child or 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 the woman um you know who's abused by her husband and and it makes me really fond of films like this yeah i'm i'm with you on that and i think you know um representing neurodivergent and neurotypical characters is something I feel like comes up in a lot of Mishkin movies in general like and I'm of course thinking a yeah. lot about Nandalala in this moment yeah. but um and yeah it is that sense where they, he's not presenting them as or at least in Pisas it's not that they are um not asked to notice them as special but that they are simply a fabric of the everyday and they should be seen that way or we should be seen that way I am not necessarily you know excluding myself from all those people but that everyone could be equally talked about and it's not anything special um and i thought that's all that's always beautiful about his movies right that's just something really nice you'll have um a trans character uh who's just supposed to be there because that's how life works that is how society is and hmm. it's always nice to see those things happen What did, what did you guys make of the music of this film um, i think we're probably at the end of this conversation but uh, but violence scores always get me yeah violence scores always get me too uh, but uh, to be frank uh, uh in, in this uh, for, for me the the uh, the score in uh, not about good or bad but you know i i i could feel and i could make note of the score in onai matuni more but uh, pisa se uh, maybe not so much so i i uh, i'll let amrita talk about that if she uh, had anything on the score i think the score was actually one of the most invisible parts of the movie for me it was it was one yeah, of those things fine. that i knew that was there i knew it was making me feel things but i wasn't asked to notice it very distinctly like i or maybe maybe i was and i just 
didn't usually violin gets to me to but it was the fact that it was the it was only that one particular instrument that was highlighted through the whole thing or something like that like maybe in a different scene or in a climactic scene a suddenly new instrument comes up to reinforce a certain meaning may have been a little more interesting but it it was used well to create an to create a mood and create a tone and an of course at many points to create an emotional response but yeah i think for me it it stayed in the background more so than anything else in this movie so there you can go ahead yeah um i mean i i see what you guys are saying and i see that as a as a strength i suppose when the music doesn't quite distract you from the proceedings um if it didn't quite do that i mean i i really like what um, i think arul corelli was the name of the composer i think what he does in the climax as well um during that very powerful uh scene of catharsis for many parties um i wasn't quite distracted by the sound but i could see that the sound was an important part of why i was feeling the way i was and so yeah. putting music and sound in the background um is a little you know it's part of the more 21st century last two decades trend of tamil cinema sort of making the you know extra diegetic and non diegetic songs recede into the background making things more background music taking away the so called interruptions of cinema uh, and making it more realistic in some senses and you know i mean miskin movies don't get me wrong have had some fantastic song and dance sequences that have into like come through the narrative but in his later movies it sort of faded into the background and sort of just become part of the movie itself and i think that's just something a lot of filmmakers are moving towards a little more these days and yeah. you two have watched way more movies than i have in the last 5 years so feel free to correct me on that i i think uh It, i your point that uh, many filmmakers have moved away um in that sense is definitely true but in in ca- in case of miss but if there is any uh, uh, anomaly who who who's probably not uh, you know who doesn't um, who doesn't stick to that uh, completely is probably miskin because he operates in that uh, melodrama more often than anyone else and Uh, in some level melodrama i thought would require uh, the uh, musical intervention in some form or the other and 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 the, the miskins melodrama is is that is definitely a very different melodrama but he is one who is very committed to it uh, more than other filmmakers of uh, who are uh, doing great in tamil right now that's what i yeah. think yeah yeah and in this film i think the only song pogum padai i think that's the only song right um and even that song yeah. is very uh, cleverly used to accentuate a, a feeling of loneliness and suffering i suppose which is uh, central to the film's idea itself um so i i really like that even when he has to um when he uses a song he does it um, in keeping with the universe of the film and to uh, uh, and 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 to really sell uh, the the emotions at the heart of the film as opposed to um, exaggerating it or or you know treating it as an escape in some way one of the things uh, coming back to the uh, this this is something i wanted to ask uh, both of you uh, because we talked about uh, forgiveness a lot and uh, we also mentioned when uh, i might put him a couple of times we, we uh, i mean it's pretty uh, it's we can arrive at the consensus that this is a film where uh, forgiveness is a huge theme and you have one i am article team where you have the the whole repentance and that sort of theme 
and we did have do an episode on yuddham same which is which is completely opposite in 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 its revenge um you know in its, in a very bloody revenge saga of uh, heinous crimes and 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 i was wondering if if this is just a miskin sort of uh, excavating different uh, human emotions or it is just his evolution that he's moved from a yuddham side to a pitasya um i mean if you bring in a psycho into this conversation as well um you can see oh, yeah. that uh, that he really wants to um, i don't know why he keeps fighting <laughs> you can see why he is very no but i didn't uh, hate it yeah 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 i know what i know what you mean i'm not a big fan of the film as well um and yet i mean interesting enough to discuss a lot of um, angles in it in it i think um you can see that he's uh, uh, he's been um occupied with discussing this uh, idea of forgiving people and you know at at what level do we um, fail to forgive them um, to what levels can we extend uh, the umbrella of our forgiveness and i find that to be interesting because in that film especially um, I, i think in in pisas it's quite easy to forgive the parties concerned because i don't think there is one big evil out there um if if there had to be one big evil you could probably argue if you're a believer that it's god for letting all of this happen in the first place but if you stepped away from it and you looked at a movie like um uh, psycho um, it becomes i think a lot of people i remember criticized the film for um for its kindness to this 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 villain at the heart of this film this 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 person was committing all these sex yeah. crimes and murdering women you know the serial killer and yet the film seemed keen to forgive him um and through its victim um, central victim um, and that that that's interesting and i i wonder maybe amrita can weigh in on this i wonder if it is a um, uh, an influence of all the russian literature that we no doubt know that mishkin is a big fan of the dostoevskys and the tolstoys well for me i find it hard to um speculate on a filmmaker's you know psychological processes and processes and intentions and things like that um but from what little i know of him i think he's just someone who explores as many different um texts as possible right and i mean i when i went to see him once like two or three years ago he was watching the movie 7 um and he yeah. was like oh you know thinking about what can we do with this and i think he's just some he's a director i think who just or i think he's a person who just enjoys exposing himself to a various number of stories and storytelling techniques and tries to find the human at the core of it and then bring that out in interesting ways and i think that's what happens to psycho right like there's that there's something that would have otherwise been disturbing and he tries to find like the the humanity in this and tries to bring it out and maybe it didn't work so great um so i i i think what you see as his trajectory of you know emotional evolution emotional evolution uh might just be him his own exploration into different forms of storytelling and different stories and different narrative styles and different cultures and how they respond to certain tragedies and emotions and things like that but for me the russian literature influence is mostly in the very stilted melodrama uh moments in mo- almost all his films where and the character will have an exaggerated reaction to this it's like my favorite thing i like to tell people about russian literature is like yeah they'll drop a pen and then everyone will get delirious with fever because something you know that's that's the cause and effect in russian <laughs> yeah. literature 
And so like that is something you see in a lot of his movies where something will happen and then like the character will just fall down to the floor and the camera will swing in 15 directions. And he was just like, it feels like basically the audience is pushed into a delirium. Um, for me, that is the Russian literature influence of, of any Michigan movie. It's just like, oh my God, everything has exaggerated reactions to everything. But in, yeah, yeah, in terms of movies, I think it's just, he likes finding the human emotion in different cultures and then trying to bring out, um, bring them to a Tamil audience. Um, among the uh, striking facets of Mishkin, I noticed during the many conversations that we've had over the years, is uh, people who probably think about this filmmaker only on the basis of uh, his body of work would probably be forgiven for thinking that this is probably a guy who probably doesn't have much zest for life and he's probably a you know a dark individual with with a lot of anger and rage. And, um, I found it fascinating that he was the exact opposite. Um, with with so much uh, uh, with a with a wonder for life that I wish I could um, retain on an everyday basis, um, and I think some of the explorations that you just mentioned, Amrita, about you know he's just looking to see how how much he can stretch this idea, he can see whether this idea can marry with that idea and result in a new one. I think that is also an extension of of, uh, hey, the world around us is so fascinating. I'm so fascinated with everything that's happening here. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's almost like a scientist, isn't it? I mean, let me try to unearth more and more and let me see if, uh, if some combinations result in interesting ideas. And you know, anyway, I just wanted to drop that. Yeah. And, and, and usually those kinds make for the, uh, for the most interesting and best filmmakers, uh, filmmakers most of the time. Like even though the, the film may not satisfy you or the film may not, uh, May, may not even be good in some sense, but the, these directors who explore and then, you know, they, they even fail sometimes. But but that, like we, we mentioned Psycho so many times, but I think both of us reviewed great, but, but it still, you know, it still plays on your mind, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm very happy for film. I mean, if, if and film doesn't meant, work yeah. and that's, that's okay. And yet I couldn't stop myself from reaching him to ask whether he would be interested in like an hour's conversation about Psycho, even though I did it did not work for me at all. Um, and, and that's, uh, I mean, thank God for, for uh, these filmmakers. I was uh, thinking about something on these lines recently. And I was like, you know, we, in, in Tamil cinema, we've not really gone too much into, um, you know, fantasy horror, apart from the occasional Ayatollah or what was that J.M. Ravi zombie movie that happened? Um, and so, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and like, yeah. if, if, if suddenly you know, Tamil filmmakers were going to start getting into something like Parasite or Train to Busan or, you know, anything like Walking Dead or something. I would think Miskin would be the director who would find a way to make that palatable to a <laughs> Tamil audience. Like, I, f I feel like he would find what yeah. uh, we would recognize in that and then bring that to the fore and find, like, it's, you know, how to make Exorcist a love story, right? Like that is, and he's going to make something very interesting out of a zombie movie and i'm i'm excited for that and you know I maybe put a female lead in it and i would i'm i'm just looking forward to those kinds of endeavors Absolutely. yeah that, that's true i mean i mean uh, yeah, most of the time these the sort of experiments uh, fail uh, uh i mean from uh, many indian filmmakers because uh, they, they don't um, they don't exact they they, they, uh, they take the ideas but they don't uh, translate them to uh, to that to, to a culture where they're set in. 
they they still retain something of the original which is which is which, which is which is set in a completely different uh, uh, setting and atmosphere but mm. uh, uh, but 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 like you said miskin is probably the one who who'll know how to do it for uh, in, in 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 for uh, for an audience which grew up on a different kind of cinema oh and let's not discount the other end of uh, the problem where people try to ground it and root it so much um, in our culture that they take away the essence of the enjoyment um, of uh, the original that they are trying to replicate here but i th- and i think there is something that has been happening really well in the past 10 15 years I mean, starting with Articulum and how that is sort of bringing stuff like Amores Peros and Babel and Cache yeah. and putting it into rural Tamil Nadu, or even something like Kadalum Karanthapogam, taking a Korean movie and then let's put Vijay Sethupathi in it and let's make it a very relatable um, Tamil story. And I think filmmakers are starting to get the hang of this. I mean, all our contemporary filmmakers have been. grew up on burma bazaar and grew up on um all these world you know worldly influences of cinema and but also grew up with everything dravidian politics in everything tamil cinema and so there's there seems to be this wonderful marriage of these many different cultures coming to play um yeah. and i'm excited i'm excited i think i think this is going to be a great 10 years if it goes well there are of course people who are saying that tamil cinema or cinema in in tamil nadu is dead and everything is going to be amazon prime series from now on but we'll see where that goes <laughs> that's why you have tyagraj and kumaraja putting a scene with buying pawn cd with a david fincher poster <laughs> behind so that can happen only yes so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, but i would um, not take anyone um too seriously when they say that the cinema is dead and you know oh. you know i'm i'm pretty sure interesting voices are always going to emerge and i'm pretty sure we are in the middle of a few um, directors who are doing good work as well so well but but yeah here's hope, hoping for better during the next 10 years yeah and i think it's just that um the systems of prestige are changing a little and being commissioned to direct a prime series is now also something that can be considered success in the filmmaking and i think that's basically yeah. what these people are getting at about 7 uh, 8 years back a 1 hour 40 45 minutes film was not quite the norm and and that was probably an interesting choice as well with respect to this film um i, I thought it was really really tight um, i mean except i suppose for the plato and gang uh, characters um I, i mean to be honest i don't think they played uh, too much of a big part anyway um, in a distracting way they, they step in and step out in seconds um if two or three times they do in this film um, but i thought it was a really tight film um what did you guys think oh absolutely and i you know sometimes i wish there was a few minutes more um this way or that way but this editing also sort of it plays into the storytelling right like there are some scenes he'll show and the explanation for those scenes will come like two shots later or four shots later maybe even a whole scene later and then you're like oh that's what that's what that was referring to or just you sometimes things happen and you're not necessarily sure why they happen and i had two examples of that before we started talking but it's 
about three hours past my bedtime and so i'm i'm a little <laughs> lost oh i I, uh, i remember one example of it when we uh, when we were initially introduced to this auto driver um, you have his other friends mocking him and laughing at him and calling him pachain and you're not quite sure why yeah, or what's happening yeah. yeah and and that is even one of the lesser thing i mean there was something or something like and i it foreshadows a lot yeah yeah there's a scene of uh, his uh, mother uh, tripping and falling in the bathroom and uh, mm. like him you we were also uh, made to think that you know uh, the ghost attacked her uh, but 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 the way he films the whole uh, scene of dragging her out and it, it, it it's sort of it's sort of the bloodiest scene in the film but Uh, it uh, but then later it, it completely uh, gets a new uh, uh, new meaning yeah. later on itle <laughs> um, when we were, because we were we were just discussing the duration uh, i was almost taken aback I, i mean not not the second time because i knew what to expect but the first time i saw the film um, once this ghost uh, you know burns herself um, in the car uh, you're almost trained to expect a few more scenes after that um you're almost trained to expect to see hey what happens between radha ravi and this guy you know or or what next um i was quite taken aback when i watched it the first time around uh, just right at the end of the scene all you get is the end credits i'm like oh wow that's it oh okay yeah that works for me that worked for me i mean i actually don't know yeah. what a denouma would have been for this movie like, I mean what would they have spoken about I'm not entirely sure I feel like that was that was the image to end the movie on I yeah I'm 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 really good with that I don't know what I would have what I'm missing by not having more Yeah, yeah and, and I think I think Unai Matkrim also ends with uh, Shree's character just walking away with the kid right and and he, it just ends there you don't see anything else I think it's very yeah, um, yeah just just to the point you know what what needed to happen has happened and the film yeah. is now uh, has now reached its end so thank you very much good night i will say that one of the things um i find curious and interesting and almost rewarding about mishkin or at least and i don't i don't remember i paid attention to this one i don't remember if it's also there in his other movies but you you don't see mishkin's name till the last 4 seconds of the reel like he his his director credit is literally the last image after corporate sponsors and everything like the whole <laughs> credits have run and then last 8 seconds you'll have assistant director and then you'll have story screenplay direct not uh, direction mistake and it's it's the last 4 seconds at least on this particular youtube video right? like last 4 seconds and i'm like mm-hmm. given what we're used to in terms of directors signing their names to movies and making you know this is this is yeah. a, this person's movie i found it yeah. very interesting that he doesn't explicitly take ownership of of this movie and yet he is one of the most auteur like directors that we have and i just i find that you know a part of maybe the humility um that sort that all his movies but i found i find that interesting and curious it's also a reflection of uh, um, his rebellion i suppose i mean which you keep seeing across his filmography um sometimes it just seems to me that he does things only so you know he can communicate his distaste for something else um as opposed to his preference for for this thing that he's doing um i mean but but it's a mishkin film he, he i mean he's everywhere in the film he doesn't even need a directorial credit so uh, he here is something that always uh, bothered me uh, i mean there's definitely i mean I, i i i do think that there is an explanation for this 
because his film is very uh, rooted in the sort of culture and it's very i mean miskin film is very miskin it's not it, you don't see other uh, you don't see influences that easily unless you go looking for but he is one filmmaker who like um, uh, like amta said the, one of the most foremost artists in tamil cinema but he is relatively unknown outside tamil nadu like he he is one guy uh, people outside haven't gotten down to do you think there is an explanation for it yeah uh, or still just in we, we just didn't market this film i don't know what the, what what went wrong there <laughs> no i'd only be speculating here i suppose of course he doesn't work um, with stars or anything that's true yeah that's there um, and i think for for a film to for a director to uh, to really reach people of other languages i think um, a lot of uh, tom toming needs to happen i suppose um, on uh, social media on, on, <laughs> on somewhere else um and with mishkin's films i think we are too busy discussing his films and debating his films among ourselves that um maybe maybe this whole thing of hey there is this new mishkin film out you better watch it i don't care who you are or where you're from i'm not really sure a lot of that um, uh, happens and i could be wrong about it but i'm just speculating um and there's also the sense that and this comes from you know my interviews of a fair number of contemporary filmmakers um who say you know we're making movies for the tamil people mishkin was you know especially one of those he was he makes his primary audience is tamil nadu and and that is it and and so maybe it is that he is not putting like the effort to market no, he definitely does. i don't like think that. i don't think he cares at all <laughs> no and i think yeah. <laughs> the one main way so you know because if he because that you know oh, i'm going to call it apathy for now uh, is there he's unlike you know vetri he's not going to be sending his movies to festivals um not yeah. looking not seeking that kind of um attention so the way miskins movies are going to be seen outside is through people you know like me who will go put it on a syllabus and be like you know let's let's look at this let's see what we can learn from this movie and so that i think that is the way we're going to start a conversation about him with other people or you know someone like anurag kashyap picks up a movie and then watches it and then decides oh let's use parts yeah. of this and this something and then yeah. you know someone else picks it up from there but it's it's a gradual process and it's not going to be something i feel like it's not going to be something mishkin is going to intently consciously try and get done yeah he yeah it, it definitely coming from my personal part i don't think mishkin cares about this at all yeah i right. can even um, even among tamil audiences um, um, his films tend to be rather divisive um, don't mm-hmm. they um i mean i don't think all tamil audiences go gaga over uh, hey here's a mishkin film let's all throng the theaters and you know make a festival festival out of it um you know you have your loyalists going and you know the people who care about um cinema who who tend to look beyond the obvious um these people get quite excited about his films and they sit there and you know they swallow all these experiences and um uh, ruminate on them but um, i mean that, those films i i'm not really sure um tend to set the nation on fire i think we've covered this uh, aspect quite extensively uh, sudhir amrita hope you had fun thank you for joining did few things better in life than to discuss films you like <laughs> happy to have been here um, and i'm excited this is my first time on a podcast so yay okay, thank you we'll be back in more episodes on mission films and other topics in cinema thanks for listening hey folks this is deepak aka complicator on twitter 
and I wanted to personally thank you for listening to our latest episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to The Other Banana on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or any of the other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Please do leave us a review and a rating as it helps us drive visibility for our work. You can also view the team's writing or provide us feedback on our content at tobpod.com. We look forward to hearing from our listeners soon. Thank you.